Sacred Space. So, welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space. My name is John Keeley, still joined in studio here by, by Shane. Now, for the last number of weeks, we've played a number of the, a, a number of the talks, or broadcast a number of the talks that were made on the World Meeting the Families from the Pastoral, from the Pastoral Centre on the Thursday, the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And uh, one of them, the, from the Archbishop of Manila, uh, Bishop, is it Tagle? Tagle. Tagle. Mm-hmm. Um, he spoke to us uh, a few weeks ago on the Pope's ref- uh, on the Pope's reflection on the Strawway Society. Now, a number of people said that they enjoyed that, but I just want to play just two little less extracts from that, and then we might just offer a comment here. Just, just, just listen to the first one. Since planned obsolescence and the throwaway culture has moved from consumer goods to values and culture, we see and experience, we can empathize with people like Pope Francis who see the effects on how we deal with values and human beings and life. And the second one I just want to play, and then uh, this one, um, actually, I, I, I really entitle this one Usefulness. But let's just hear this for a second. And so even human persons, human life, are measured according to their utility, to their usefulness. It's very pragmatic. It's very functional. If you are no longer useful to me, then I can throw you away. You are cluttering my space. If I see something or someone more profitable to me, then I throw you away and I accept this new, newly found, newly found value. Unfortunately, it is prevalent in our view of persons. I even say, sometimes, because of the influence of the throwaway culture, we don't even notice that we gauge or measure people according to their market value. Just a thought or two that came to my mind there, Shane, and um, you, you might want to offer your own. Uh, this whole idea of throwaway society in terms of culture, in terms of the, our morals and values gone, and the way people are treated in the world. And, and you've been around a little bit now in your work over the last number of years, and I'm sure you would have come across really people who maybe are suffering through this idea of their usefulness or non-usefulness. Mm. It's, it's very much a theme that uh, Pope Francis has expressed numerous times throughout his pontificate, and it's picking up on this idea that uh, of people, um, if they're not contributing economically to a society, that they're seen as being a burden to society. And it's, it's, a, very, it's a very worrying and alarming kind of... Um, development, mm. I suppose, in some mm. respects. Particularly, you know, we're, it's... I've, I've, for, for people, I suppose, that are that don't pay attention to history, it's very much echoing some of the language that we heard from the early 20th century, mm-hmm. um, from those that promoted social Darwinism, eugenics, 
and which contributed to the development in some parts and justifications which were used uh, in the 1930s in Nazi Germany for some of the programs in terms of euthanasia mm-hmm. for the disabled and and those that were handicapped. And it's something I think we need to be very, very careful of because when you get to a stage where society looks at a person's contribution purely through their util- utility and their mm. contribution to the economy rather than to society, yeah. then you have a problem um, because... You, you know, where do you where where does it stop? And for us in Ireland, this is something we need to be very very conscious of because there is a push at the moment to legalize euthanasia, yeah. and you know it's it's like the abortion debate. It'll be couched very much in the personal stories, but the question comes back to the fundamentals of people have a dignity by virtue of the fact that they are human beings, yeah. and by you know we are all created in you know. From a Christian perspective, we say we are created in the image and likeness of God. But, you know, if you want to take it out from the, from the religious point of view and argue it from a human right point of view, per people have a right to life. Yeah. You yeah. know, and nobody and no state should have the right to say when that should be taken away. No society should turn. And when a society turns around and questions that, then you have to start seriously asking questions about that society. And that was something which uh, uh, Cardinal Tagley brought up very much in, 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 that, in that address that he gave at the World Meeting of Families. And it's something we just, we just do need to be very, very conscious of, I think. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's a question. You know, I remember a couple of years ago, there was a debate in Ireland and the question was asked, are we a society or are we an economy? Yeah, yeah. Because all you heard was, well, how much we were doing things for the economy. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of it's kind of getting to the stage like, you know, where people where people don't have homes, mm-hmm. where the health system is creaking. Yeah. And you're kind of going, well, hang on a second now. Where where are we going as a people on this? You know, and what, what, what does it mean for us in terms of, I suppose, looking around and just seeing it? I suppose the contrast, the biggest contrast, I suppose, is with elderly people. You know, and the where there's all, there's no longer, I suppose, the ability for us to be able to sometimes look after uh, families, elderly members of our families in their home due to the pressures of the world that we live in, where couples are trying to pay their mortgage, try to pay the bills, look after the kids and grandpa and mama are put off into the nursing home, which, of course, is very um, it's unheard of in a lot of cultures. Yeah. Uh, it's you know in terms of the Middle East, it's unheard of. If you you know if in terms of uh, in say Eastern cultures like in Japan, for example, Central Asia, um, African cultures, it's absolutely anathema. Mm, yeah, you know yeah. the respect is given to the elderly, um, but it's not just the elderly. It, it's it's those that are seen as not contributing to, functionally to society, and the, when you get to that stage. You or when that type of language is being used, you know we have to be able to stand up for it. Exactly. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I I read a very good book in the last couple of weeks by, uh, about Augustus Clemens von von Vigalen. He was the the Bishop of Munster in Germany during before the Second World War, and he wrote in defence very much uh, of, of these types of things. And uh, you know, it, it it it's something that echoes down through the years. Um, you know, in particular, we've 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 had these discussions, you know, and and one of the things about the Christian faith when it came out of the catacombs was the fact that it put forward this idea that people had a value because and of themselves, 
um, which was very countercultural at the time. And that's something we have to kind of pick up again. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that. Uh, just before we move on to the next part, I, I, I just also want to comment really on, on the first part of the, on the first clip there, where, where, where he mentioned about morals and values. And the comment that I'd want to make on that is many of us have noticed in our own lifetime the way morals and, and, and values uh, really have been discarded and, and the, the end up being out of fashion and so on and mm-hmm. so forth. Uh, again, just thrown away. And, and, and if we don't really stand up for what we believe in, and I stress that for what we believe in, then uh, really, what, what are we going to really pass on mm. to future generations? We we really hold the key now. We can either let this throwaway culture decide what's fashionable today, tomorrow, and throw away the rest, or we can hold on to something that's precious, that's precious to us. And as you mentioned there, Shane, about our faith, that's one thing that really helps us with that, because as, as a faith community, we can stand together, support each other, and not let society as such just run all over us. That's one thing that I wanted to play this week. But the other thing, the clip that I want to play now, is something that I haven't played yet. This presentation was made, I think it's on the Thursday of the, uh, of the Congress, uh, by Bosco and Dr. Lynette McShane. Uh, they actually speak to, uh, to the youth, give youth retreats. They spoke on the workshop, The Dignity and Beauty of Sexual Love. Finding new language for ancient truths. I'd like you to hear this, and then we just might uh, just offer a few comments after that. Good morning, everyone. My name is Bosco McShane, and this is my wife, Lynette. We are very blessed to have six beautiful children who are all here today at the World Maintenance Families with us, so um, we're very, very blessed. We're the founders of Shilta uh, Retreat Team, it's a Catholic retreat team which delivers school retreats through the length and breadth of Ireland. And we also deliver retreats on the beautiful island of Loch Derg as well. And really today's topic is about finding new language for ancient truth. When we're talking to young boys and girls throughout the island of Ireland, sometimes we have to break it down uh, what ancient truth actually is, the teaching of the church. So Lynette here is going to present uh, a little PowerPoint presentation uh, and she'll explain to you what way we're going to work it. Okay, good morning everyone. Um, when we were asked to contribute this morning, um, the first place we took it to was adoration. And we said, Christ, if you want us to break Amoris Otisia down into very simple language, to discover a new language for the truth of sexual love, then what have you got? And so I present exactly what came. Um, our title today is called Catching the Right Bus. In scripture, we read, I have the right to do anything you say but not everything is beneficial. If you guys were standing at a bus shelter today, would you get on the first bus that came along despite knowing that it was going to take you in the wrong direction? Of course not. You would wait for the right bus. It might take a while, but the wait is worth it. It's the exact same with sexual love. Waiting for your soulmate is worth it. Just in the bus scenario, if you get on the first one that comes, you end up at a totally different destination and in the wrong place. You miss the destination of love. All the other buses that come your way, yes, you have the right to jump on, but it's not beneficial when you end up in the wrong destination. And if you look at the image, this is a luxury bus. 
God's plans are for the best, the best form of transport in the most luxurious ways. All the other buses give a quick fix. They are a distraction. Just like all the other men or women that come into your life before you meet the one. They will give you something. They will give you sex, but not sexual love. Not the love that God has planned for you. They will make you feel good just for the mere fact that they're there and you don't have to get impatient waiting for the right bus. But the waiting is good and we must never forget the destination. In the waiting for the bus, we can think through about the destination that we wish to arrive. When the right bus comes along, there's no drama. There's no need to watch the road. There's no worry about where to get off. There's no need to worry about your safety. Peace comes the moment that you get on the right bus. And that peace comes from God, the driver. You will feel safe on the right bus. There'll be no need to overthink where you're going as you know that you're on the right journey to the destination of love that God has planned. Sexual love is as simple as choosing the right bus. You don't need to be the driver. God is in control. He knows the twists and the turns. He knows the detours. He knows there'll be breakdowns along the way. It's important though to remind yourself that God knows the destination and his plans for us in sexual love are way beyond what we can imagine. And who else would we want to really be the driver other than God himself? God is love. He loves you. He has plans for you. He knows your longing to be loved. And all we need to do is to give him the will. The young people that we meet, they don't know where the bus station is. So they never have met God the driver. They know only how to drive themselves, to take control of the wheel, to go where they want to go, as opposed to where they need to go. They get distracted and they see the fast track. They only know to refuel at the service station, quick and easy. The world promises the refueling, quick and easy. Just like it offers sex, quick and easy, but it quickly runs dry. Ever notice when you get on a bus, you don't have to worry about the fuel. That's not your problem. God has that already sorted. He knows the route. He has pre-planned it. All we have to do is to be patient and wait on the right bus. Our young people have never heard the word wait. Everything is right now. Everything is immediate. We need to bring the concept of waiting back into our language. Our young people don't know the driver. They don't know God. We have to present God to them, to share the love that God has given us, to share the fruits of that love with everyone that we meet. They don't see him as the one who created them, therefore cannot grasp how God has created sexuality as a marvelous gift. 
for all of us. They've never bothered with the bus because the world has offered them self-control, the ability to drive where they want to go. The majority are going in the wrong direction. The world is full of distractions and they're going everywhere except on the path towards God. No one has ever told them about the bus station, the church. No one has ever told them about how it operates, the teaching, or explained to them God's vision for love, marriage, and commitment. Most of them don't feel loved, so they put all of their efforts into selfies and seeking likes rather than a deep and personal love with Christ. They don't see themselves as God's gift or the fruit of their parents' love. They cannot see how that love is a gift from God and must be passed on. They only hear and know of sexual rights and know nothing about the sexual wrongs, about the sinning against their own bodies. They know not the Holy Spirit and so struggle to find the courage to hold back and to wait. How can they honor God with their bodies when they don't know him? They have only ever heard about what is wrong with the bus station, the church. Therefore think that the bus driver, God, doesn't really exist, doesn't really care, doesn't really love them and has no plans for them. It's time for us, every single one of us here today, to start telling them about the bus station, to tell them about the church, to tell them about the presence of Christ and how he can move mountains in their life. It's time to challenge them to wait on the right bus, to wait for their soulmate, that God has already planned that person who will make life full and fruitful every day. It's time for us to tell them the good news, the good news that God loves them, that God has shown his love to each one of us here and that God's love is for every single one of them. We have given them the bus pass, We've given them the sacraments, but they don't know what they're for. When we leave this conference this week, it's our job, each and every one of us, to tell the young people about what God has done in our lives, to share God's love and to bring hope to the future around the world. Thank you. So again, that was um, Dr. Lynette McShane, who spoke um, at the World Meeting of Families. Uh, the pastoral conference on the Thursday there uh, of that particular week and she spoke on finding new language for ancient truths and her, the title of her presentation was Catching the Right Bus. To me anyway it was something that all parents need to know or young people need to know but parents and grandpeople need to hear. They don't hear too much of it these days. They hear a lot of other stuff promoting other ideas and values and so on and so forth but not so much this but uh, just before I offer sharing there, just a few minutes to just to make a little comfort, a little contribution. Um, I just remind people again the last few sentences there that uh, Dr. Lynette um, mentioned, and she said, "When we leave this conference this week, it's our job in each and every one of us to tell our young people about what God has done in our lives. That's us, their parents and uh, grandparents, to share God's love and to bring hope." 
to the future of the world from our experience. And I think we've always mentioned that here on the programme. There's nothing better than to give somebody's own testimony and somebody's own experience. If we pass it on to young people, in the way young people can understand it, and I think maybe people this morning after listening to that presentation would have maybe sat up and listened to that particular uh, presentation that was made, but the whole idea of waiting for the right bus, waiting for the right person, taking our time. The one thing that I'd say that, uh, that, that caught me right at the beginning there, when, the, when Dr. Lin, Dr. Lynette was asked to make the presentation, the first thing she'd done was to go to adoration. And I think maybe that's something we can do more often than what we do. Go to adoration or take, just take time asking the Lord, Lord, how would you like me to be able to pass this message on to maybe my grandchildren or my children or to young people who I know? Shane, your own sort of thoughts on that now. Um, uh, I thought it was very... Um, I thought it was a good one, actually. Uh, I liked the analogy, the bus station one, or the catching the right bus. Mm. Um, definitely I, the one that gives food for thought. And it was also very timely playing it this morning, John, because I don't know if people realise uh, that on Wednesday, the excuse me, the Holy Father convoked the Synod of Bishops in Rome. Mm. And this is the third gathering of the Synod of Bishops under Francis and it's the 15th one overall since uh, the Synod was established by, jo- by Paul VI after the Second Vatican Council. And the theme on this week's one, or this year's Synod, I should say, is youth, faith and vocational discernment. Um, obviously, of course, given the gathering that the, church, the bishops are gathering in Rome at a moment in which the church, I suppose, I saw one commentator describing it as facing perhaps its gravest crisis since the Protestant Reformation uh, in terms of the form of the worldwide clerical sex abuse scandals, um, you know, it's it, there's there's great expectation, I suppose, in mm-hmm. relation to it. But in terms of the topic of the synod itself, which is basically communicating with young people, um, you know, it's 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 often it's something you hear all the time. Where are the young people? Where are the youngsters? Where how do we how do we how do we talk with them? Mm-hmm. And it's it's something that we do need to um, to look at in terms of being able to um, communicate a message. But mm-hmm. before you can communicate the message, you have to understand it yourself. Yeah. Um, and it's it's also kind of understanding it and being able to because once, if you can understand something yourself, then it's very easy to con- to explain it to others. Um, and that that's the challenge for us because people say well I, I don't know what to say well you know why in mm-hmm. one sense you know mm-hmm. it's a case of there it's it's sometimes maybe it's a case of maybe we need to do a small bit of kind of rooting around ourselves to kind of understand what what what's involved but yeah I, it's um, it's an interesting one I would say people if you to listen back to that one again it, it, it's quite good and there's lots more of those and well meeting the families um, 2018 on the internet in the meantime we go for our second piece of music uh, this morning this one I picked is Lilies of the Field by John Michael, John Michael Talbot so let's hear this
Sacred Space, 